Hey, I'm Owen Foxwell, and you're listening to the Getting Saucy podcast. Hello and welcome back to Getting Saucy, South East Melbourne Phoenix's official podcast. I'm here, Aaron Pereira from Phoenix Media, but obviously it's not about me. It's about the man who the show is named after, Alan Big Sauce Williams. How are you, big fella? Excellent. Feeling good. I think there's a little bit of an extra smile about your Sauce. Why Why would that be? I got back on the court with yeah, the guys today. Got back into a training session, got some 505, got knocked on my butt a couple of times and felt good to be back out there. Two big ice packs on the knee. How are you? I, you feeling? No, I feel good. No, I mean that's that's just part of it. You know, the everyday kind of grind of it. You want to make sure that you're icing your your your, your extremities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'm feeling good, man. Happy to be back out there with the guys again. That's awesome. I think it's it's a very welcome sight for both the high performance staff, the team, but the fans as well. What what's been the feedback? Where you're close to getting back on court in the real thing? It's been great. You know, I've, I've said throughout this podcast and throughout this this kind of time period that I'm going through now that the fan support has been amazing. Everybody like just pushing me to get back as, as best as I can and as strong as I can. And again, it definitely helps that we have a, a guy like Tyler Cook to, to, to be in while I'm not able to be there. So it, it allows me to fully rest and, and, and recover the way I need to. Now, Tyler's in the wars a little bit. Obviously, he's, uh, his eye was almost hanging out of his socket at one stage against uh, Cairns there. What, 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 did you, what did you think when he went down? I was afraid. I mean, if you saw his reaction to the actual poke in the eye, he was like, on the floor and and the eye thing is scary because you don't know when you open that eye if you're gonna be able to see or not. And so it's it's crazy we had something past year with Creaky and his eye at Cans again. And so it's just we gotta start wearing goggles when we play down there, I think. One hundred percent. I mean we we speak about those games. We are since the last episode we played two away games. Unfortunately we didn't get a win in either of those games. We went down eighty to eighty seven against Cairns and then a pretty hard-fought effort against Illawarra. Unfortunately, we go down 106-113. What are your key takeaways from those games? Yeah, I just think the biggest thing is, and we've talked about this as a team and as a playing group, uh, we just weren't good enough defensively. And good is talking, communicating, flying around. I just think we have to raise that level up. We're capable of being better. And I do think in the future, we're going to be better defensively, getting into the ball, creating kind of chaos out there uh, for the opposition. So. Is Mike's message to the boys hold tight? No, Mike's message to the boys is step your stuff up, you know, <laughs> like get into the ball, figure it out, play with heart, play with intensity. And uh, again, today's practice was was indicative of kind of what he wants from us on a daily basis. I think we had a really good training session today. High intensity, high energy, and high talk. Getting Saucy's own Mitch Creek had almost two incredible games, 25 plus, I think both of those games, or if not at least near it. What did you see from from Creaky's games? I mean, I feel like he's he said he laid an egg in that first game. He roared back in game two, and, and game three and four have almost been better than game two. What what do you see from Creaky's game? He's playing at a different level. You know, it's just his his preparation for this is better than anybody I've ever seen do it. He he gets after it. He works his butt off every day. He recovers his body. He eats the right way. He does all the right things, and it's in his shows and his performance. And so, he's our leader out there, and we go as he goes. And so, anytime. You have your leader leading by example like that. We're going to catch up and we're going to get to that level and, and be all right. You know where influencers source? Yeah. Do you know how we're influencers? How? The feedback on the Boomers clip from Mitch Creek yeah. has been unbelievable. He's the best Australian player in the NBL. There we go. You heard it here first. Period. But the comments have been, get him in the side. How did we not have him in the side? He better be there for Paris. 
I think that was you, Source, pushing no, no, that no, one. No, it was us. <laughs> it was us and it was, it was the Phoenix fan base. Keep pushing. Send those messages out. Let's get them on their team, man. Green and gold for yeah. Creaky. Yeah. Source, we'll take a break. On the other side of this break, though, now you you know who we've got on. Now I think you're pretty excited. I'm I'm very excited. I think Phoenix fans themselves would be more excited than anybody. He's a Phoenix. He's sorry. He's a Phoenix favorite son. Yeah. He's not a Phoenix son, yeah. but he's a Phoenix favorite son, yeah. and he's on the podcast this week. So get excited, guys! We'll be back after this with one of our favorite favorite players. Hi, Phoenix fans. Reese Vague here. Don't miss any of the action in the fire pit this season. Get your three-game membership now, starting at just $25 for kids. Yes, we're back on Getting Saucy, episode four, Sauce, and we alluded to the fact that we've got somebody very special with us this week. We had Creaky last week. Now, everybody loves Creaky, but I think this person gets more love from the Phoenix fans. It was top two in... Oh, don't sell yourself Phoenix. short there, no, no, there Top Sauce. two in Phoenix history, and I'm, I'm totally fine saying this, is definitely Mitch Creek and... The gentleman that we have here with us he's today. He's sitting with us. So let me run through the CV on, a little bit. Now, this man is an Australian darling. The, the Australian darling of basketball. Yeah. I think when you think Australian basketball, yeah. you think this man. I think so. He's trotted out for the Dallas Mavericks. Yep. NBA superstar in my eyes. I think so. Too. I love him. Yep. I'm a basketball fan. I, I love the man. Yep. But now he's he's Phoenix own. Yeah. Phoenix own. He played a couple of years for us. Mm-hmm. But he's doing incredible things off the court. Now, I speak... Of course, about Rowdy Ryan Brockov. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Awesome to be here. And welcome back to to the Phoenix Heartland. You you're still part of us, even though you're not on court. I'm still I'm still around. After that introduction, I'm I'm about to get those basketball shoes out of the car and dust <laughs> please, them off. Please, please. No, please. no, no. But uh, it's great to be here and and love the show. Uh, the previous episode. So excited to be on. Just excited to have you here. Um, really, just let's just start with. What are you up to now? Like, what's what's going on? What's what's on your shirt first and foremost? And then what do you got to have going on off the court uh, regarding that? Yeah, so I've got my branding on, like always, Hoop City. Um, so my wife and I, uh, we partnered with David Anderson, uh, another former basketball great. Um, his CV's quite a lot longer than mine, but um, both of us growing up around the Frankston area, playing in, for the Frankston Blues growing up, is sort of we saw the opportunity and the demand for court space and and access for kids of all ages and skill levels to to a basketball facility so we've taken a a hoop city franchise down around the frankston area um and yeah it's just been going busy it's 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 getting quite popular um and for me personally using i guess the the wealth of experience over a long playing career to be able to help kids and that next generation come through is, is sort of um you know, something that's filling with a lot of joy and, and passion and excitement to, to have some small impact on, on the next generation. It's not just kids that are going to Hoop City. There's some bigger kids that have been there in the last couple of months. Well, what's, am I am I saying correctly that the Phoenix boys have been training there as well? Yeah, so of course we're keeping the, the connection as close as possible. And um, we've been lucky enough to have the Phoenix through quite a few times. And I think later in the week they're, they're in again. So... Look, it's 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 a resource for the Phoenix. Um, you know, we, we we try and set the highest standards for the facility that we have with with you know a weight room on site and a full court and, and extra space uh, and the shooting machines that uh, the players can get in and get a bunch of shots up really quickly and just try and make it as advantageous for them as as possible. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a really nice little facility. So having the Phoenix in is is great for us to be able to still connect with the Phoenix and, and be around and watch some trainings and 
and hopefully good for the Phoenix just to get their own space to, to be able to work out and um, not have any distractions. No, I will say it feels like home when we're in there. Right? <laughs> it definitely does. It feels like a almost a secondary place where we can go and work out and get down to Karen Downs, man. Get down to the Hoop City down there and uh, and check it out. It's, it's a really nice spot that you guys have going on. Ratty will take care of you. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Sure, once sure, you get down sure, there. For sure. Now, we've, we've skipped well ahead to what Reddy's doing post-career, but we can't skip over the career, can no, we? So, so, it was, it? I, get, I get excited <laughs> about the Hoop City stuff. I know how much he's, he's, he's worked. I know how much he and Katie have put into it, and I, and I love it. So. Uh, let's talk about Hoop. Let's uh, talk about how he was as a player. Let's talk about how he got to, to Hoop City yeah, by, by hooping. I mean, he's a modest man, but, but Rowdy, what do you remember about your time at the Phoenix? So obviously, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, the little NBA mm-hmm. stuff that he had, but it's all about the NBA. It's all about the Phoenix. What do you, what do you, what do you, time, uh, what do you remember about your time at the Phoenix? Oh, I loved it. And, and having the Phoenix come through the facility, it, it makes me miss not just the stuff on court, but being in the locker room with the guys, being around that team environment. There's no workplace like it. And the Phoenix have done an amazing job of bringing in the best people. Players like my, my man over here to the right. Mr. Alan Williams, just the, the great personalities and friendships you make. Um, that That's what I remember the most fondly. Obviously, we had some up and downs during that, that the time that I was playing and uh, me personally just dealing with injuries throughout those seasons. Um, yeah, that, that sort of stuff I don't miss, but um, it's it's all fond memories and, and the relationships you build and uh, with Source pumping up Hoop City so much. I'm going to have another word to Tommy and try and get you guys really there. For, no, I'm just kidding, but... It's it's all about it's all about the the journey and and the people you meet along the way and basketball you 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 remember bits and pieces but friendships you can kind of take with you forever. Keeping on that now, rewinding back to your time in the NBA, what is what was your experience like? Like, let's just talk about the difference in say your role in on an NBL team and your role in an NBA team because I got to imagine it was it was a different experience overall. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was it was very much um, you get sort of pigeonholed in in your role, which was fine for me because mine was shooting threes, whether that was my role or not. Um, <laughs> but um, you know you, you you kind of get pigeonholed. It's it's a lot more demanding day to day. I think the trainings are, are shorter and, and lighter. Um, but for players like myself who weren't playing a lot um, during the games, it was you know you'd get there a few hours early before training. You would get on the table, get your treatment, you would do a weight session, you'd do an individual session with a coach. A lot of mine was shooting base for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. Then you'd go into what the structured team stuff was of team team shooting, team practice, um, and then you'd finish. And then you'd go basically into another individual session of, of working on your skills, whatever that was. So although the trainings, everyone talks about NBA trainings, you don't do much, it's very light. It's all the extra skills work that sort of sets it apart. Um, and I think sort of the, the difference in, in the skill levels and the shooting ability is just the constant work in the NBA. Like yeah. it's reps, it's right. so many reps. 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 Yeah. Reps. Uh, and, uh, the Mavs tracked it, I think during the time I was there and, um, I can't remember what the num- number was, but because I wasn't playing so much and I was like, my only way to get in and get minutes is I'm going to have to be the hardest work. I'm going to have to get most shots up. I'm going to have to put, put in the most time. Yeah which my wife and young family didn't always appreciate. Um, but that that's sort of when you're there and you've got that opportunity is what you got to do. But uh, it was something like tens of thousands of shots more than the next person. Wow. So it was, it was you know, hundreds and hundreds of shots each day, every day. You kind of get your, your one day off during the, uh, during the week, depending on games and stuff. But 
it's just it's it's a it's a full-on um you know get as much out of the time you can you don't know how long it's going to last and obviously from from both our experiences is you're there one minute telling getting, getting, getting told all the right things and the next year uh you're packing your bags and you're heading somewhere else i know for me i i struggled a lot of times going in there not knowing if i was going to play and there's always that mentality it's like stay ready stay ready mm -hmm. stay ready but how many times can you stay ready and not have the opportunity so like i struggle with it mm -hmm. can you speak to yours and, and how that that grind was and just the mental toll that it kind of takes on you as you go through it yeah you're not wrong the the favorite phrase over there is you know stay ready, stay ready. um which which does hold merit there's a lot of injuries long season you will get opportunities um but it is a grind day in day out and just kind of be told and you speak to the coaches you know what can i do more how can i give myself a better chance and you know the generic answers that sort of stuff yeah, you work know on, work ready. on time stay ready comes. Yeah. time comes um you know not sort of knowing going into games whether you're in the lineup rotation or not um you know every game you get built up as if you're going to play and then the whole game goes through and you've just sat in your track yeah. suits the whole time and yeah. you kind of you build it up build it up you're like oh i could have helped the team and then you don't play and you kind of go home whether you win or lose you're not quite the same mindset yeah. that you would be if you sure. felt like you'd done something to help the result so definitely definitely tough and, and draining um i remember a story so going into my second season with the mavs mm -hmm. we had a, a, a team psychologist and I think it was in like pre-season or early in the season. He, he called me in the office and we were just, he was just kind of, you know, how you doing? And I, I literally just broke down and started crying. Yeah, right. And I don't know why. Like it was just that everything being built up over, you know, a season a bit and the pressure you put on yourself and the expectations you have for yourself and, and just, um, I guess, that, that daily grind just kind of wore me. And I just cried in front of him. I was like, why am I crying? Um, but that that goes on with stuff off the court with you know just having a family and the changes and everything the dynamic but yeah it's a it's a business over there it's a grind um it's great when you're in it and you you get your chances but it can be really difficult um when you, you're on sitting daily. on the bench yeah, yeah. On a daily for, sure. for the both of you i mean obviously every basketball especially even in australia i assume across the world everyone's dream is to make the nba yeah. so once you get there and you don't get to play and you don't get the big minutes and you, you don't get the court time and the glitz and glamour, how does that weigh on you? How do you keep returning? And I, and I mean, does that does that chip away at you constantly? It, it chips away to you in, to an extent, at least yeah. it did for me. I was frustrated oftentimes. I was, you know what I'm saying, kind of not sure of myself at certain times, whatever it was. But then you go back to the love of the game and it's like, I love to hoop. And they're paying you a lot of money to do it anyway. So you look at the bank account at the end of the day, you're like, all right, this is why I'm cashing these checks. I'm going in every single yep. day, mm -hmm. putting in the work, putting up 10,000 more shots to the next guy, running extra lines than the next guy because I want the opportunity to play. And I'll be damned if I get the opportunity and I'm not mm -hmm. ready. And so yep. maybe you can speak to that too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's a perfect way that I, I looked at it too. You know, get paid very, very comfortably to to be able to play basketball and go in and train every day that's that's my job that's that's what i need to do and and as source said if if the time or the opportunity does come that i'm going to make sure that i've done everything my preparation to put my best foot forward to to hopefully um earn some more minutes or earn a spot in the rotation and myself going in when i got signed 
I didn't have any expectations on I'm going to be a starter or I'm going to yeah. play bulk minutes or anything like that. But uh, I was sort of saw the pathway with where the Mavs were of you know not a playoff team those first two years that you know there was there was a, a need for outside shooting. There was a need for for sort of my skill set and that there may be an opportunity to kind of build into a role there. So I think that was the hardest thing. I I, I didn't sort of go in thinking you know I'm the next Kobe Bryant and <laughs> give me the ball and clear out. Um, but I, I just, you know, I saw that, you know, things went well, that, that there could be a way to, to, to find a role, a niche within that team, within the league and, and hopefully stick around. So I think you've, you've also both touched on today, Rowdy, obviously you and then Source in previous episodes that you hear one thing, you hear one thing and then things change rapidly. Do you, do you leave frustrated I mean, initially maybe, but like, it's not going to change anything. It's the business of how this goes. Like, it's the business of basketball. It's ambiguous. It's you think you're doing the right thing, but you're probably you may be doing something completely opposite of what they're expecting or wanting you to do. There's a picture that NBA teams tend to have on what they want their team to look like, what they have the roles for different guys already established, and you're kind of getting plugged in in like a scramble, frantic kind of way. Now, obviously, you find that niche to figure out what you do best. My rebounding, obviously, riders is shooting, and that will keep you in there as long as you can. And then you just hope the next team values that what you do the same way that the previous team did. And for the guys that aren't there anymore, like myself, like Rowdy, they they just they, they went a different direction, and you just kind of got to roll with it. Similar for you, Rowdy? Yeah, and, and sometimes it's just circumstance and, and timing of it all, finding the right team at the right time that are looking for your skill set. And... For the millions and millions of people around the world that play basketball, it, it's, what is it, 450? 450. 450. 450. I remember the T-shirts. <laughs> we got it. the T-shirts. They're 450. There's 450 players, you know, on a, on a full contract in the NBA. That's It's a small number. Um, and there's young, talented kids that keep popping up every, every year. Look at all the Australians that are now jumping across and, and the talent coming through. So it's it's hard to get in, but I think it's harder to actually stay in and become relevant. It's it's such a, a cutthroat league, and it's so performance based, and and um, a lot of it is subjective as well as, as how people perceive you and, and see you as a player and you value within that system. So it's it's tough, but you know, Source and I both having the opportunity, we wouldn't probably trade it in whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Um, to, to be able to say that I stepped foot in NBA court and played some minutes and started one game and, and, and things like that. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got two young boys now, so it's oh, going to be the stories are going to start really Bro, small. I, I have by the end of old stuff. Do you still have old Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, stuff of course. I have so much old yeah. stuff that when I have kids down the line. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about stories. Oh, I'm going to start stories. with, yeah, I was, you know, you I, played I just played Dirk. in the NBA. No, it's like me and Dirk were kind of like the two, <laughs> two towers, two outside shooting and then you players. Show the Instagram picture of Yeah, just me and him. And I'll find the odd clip that's a highlight of me playing and oh i'm selling it to the boys like you wouldn't believe that's, that's incredible and let's let's split the script a little bit the first time you your feet touch an nba court you've got the mavs jersey on what was that moment like for you uh surreal so um yeah still still remember it i got uh back-to-back three-point shots um in the corner on the same possession i think it was so i basically got subbed in family corner nervous as all heck like yeah knees shaking trembling uh i missed the shot i think we get an offensive rebound or as a next possession same thing um Devin harris drives sort of baseline kicks along the baseline to me and hit the three and that first once that first shot goes in yes 
Yeah, come on. Um, come on. Never, oh, never give a shit at Swat two in a row. I turn around when he puts it up. All right, no, it's good. But, but just sort of seeing that first shot, it just it took all the pressure and the anxiety and the the nervousness away, and you just feel comfortable. You get to play basketball. Like it's it's basketball in the end. It's just with bigger, taller, more athletic people than yourself. So <laughs> hardest play you uh, you played in the NBA. When I had some meaningful, I guess, minutes against. So the first game and only game I started was against Houston, um, James Harden, Houston. Um, so I didn't start on him. Thank goodness he would have had <laughs> 75 and cooked. Um, but I did get switched on to him a few times and, um, you know, they saw me and was like, bring your man to the pick and roll. Let's get a switch or let's get whatever it is. Um so, so watching him and his days in Houston and, and being on the court and just the way he not just dominated the ball but created everything for everyone else, his ability to score and finish on the hoop, is he was impossible to guard. Like You'd get up real close and you'd just do his little step back and every time you'd get under him, you'd foul him and he'd go shoot free three throws or he'd make the shot and if you give him a little bit of gap and he's got his little dancing... I don't know what it is. He's just shifty in that right way. Yeah, he just, yeah. just kind of lulls you to sleep with his back and forward yeah. and goes right past yeah. you. So it's, it's that that's one I think that at least stands out, that meaningful minutes that I was playing was, was sort of against that. And you played some very, very meaningful minutes for the Boomers. Is that a source of pride in your career that you represented your country and represented it to the level that you did? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, even with the NBA representing... Uh, the Boomers at international tournaments is is a highlight of my career. Well, um, yeah, it's not not about money. It's not about fame or anything like that. It's about playing for your country and have the opportunity to do that. Um, something I cherish and something I still look back fondly of on and and, and still at times sort of um, feel that itch that you know maybe if I got my body right or maybe if all that sort of stuff you know you could. You start you with could the get Phoenix another up again. Yeah, you start the NBA, then you go into Paris and you're cashing out. I'm just saying. But it's just it's it's always going to be there whether I'm you know still of an age that I can still run around, or if ten years from now when I'm old and mm. and and can't move very well, I'm still going to be like, you know what? They probably need some shooting. You know, what I think corner. of a, a forty-year-old three-point shooter um, in the corners. <laughs> but no, it's 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 something that that you cherish and take with you. Whether like I went to Rio and we had the tough result for the bronze, like. It's a, definitely a bittersweet memory, um, but that whole experience is, is amazing. We'll, uh, we'll take a break. We'll talk a little bit more about Rowdy's career, and we'll obviously talk about the important work that he's doing in the mental health space. We'll be back after this. If you're looking for a fun and exciting way to spend your holidays, look no further than Heartland Hoops basketball camps. It's the ultimate holiday experience. Have fun learning new skills and making new friends with camps at a basketball center near you. Every camper will get a unique experience. And with no more than 12 campers to every coach, you'll be sure to learn something new. And if that wasn't enough, every camper receives a Heartland Hoops tee and a basketball, exclusive merchandise available only to our Heartland Hoops. Sign up now to secure your spot at semphoenix.com.au slash community. We're back on Getting Saucy episode four. Big Sauce, how's, uh, how's Rowdy? Rowdy just comes in and dominates. Yeah, so every a, what, a, what a guy. <laughs> we're, so, we're so lucky to have him on the show this week and he, just excited to hear more about what he has. He talks about um, stepping on court and hitting back-to-back threes. He stepped into the podcast chair and he's, he's hit 10 threes in a row here. He does not miss. Oh, sweet. <laughs> He's still got it. <laughs> 
I still got the, the nerve to ask if he hit the room. Yeah. So no, I, I, I wasn't asking that. I'm, I'm more surprised about he gets into the game, shoots the first one, gets an offensive rebound, shoots the second one right off the bat. They're probably like, oh, this this muff, he's crazy. He, he, he lives in James Harden's dreams, I reckon. He's, he's modest. I know he is. He's nightmares. I've got a video clip of me blocking his shit. There it is. Boy, that's story. Play the clip. Clip that one. Play the clip. There it is. Now, we touched on Rowdy's magnificent career with the Boomers, and you said – 2016, we we lost that bronze medal match, didn't we? But um, an incredible run for for you with the Boomers. 2020 didn't quite work out for you. C- can you talk a little bit about why why that was, and, and I guess what your memories are in, in the lead up to Tokyo 2020? Yeah, it's 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 still um, I guess sensitive to talk about um, having to sort of withdraw myself, and it's 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 just been a culmination of things starting from from childhood to the experiences in the NBA and the the challenges that go along with that. Um, we didn't even get into sort of off season trying to sign at different teams and hearing everything that you want to hear and um, you know everything that sort of went on during that period. So I got. I got, uh, from what I remember of my time at the end of the Mavs, is that um, Philadelphia were asking about me because they were lacking shooting around Ben and Joel and, and those kind of guys. So they sort of asked the Mavs what they were, what they were doing with me, whether there would be something around like the trade deadline. Um, Mavs kind of like, we're happy with him. We could maybe look to sort of re-sign him as well. So I'm like... All right, boys. I'm I'm good. I, 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 I want to hear. I'm starting to perform a little bit. So I'm starting to kind of crack the rotations and stuff like that. Um, and then no, no more than two weeks later, I was released, and they brought in uh, Kid Gilchrist. Yep. Um, so, how, how do you how do you how are you told? Uh, basically, just brought into the office uh, after one of our games. So, um, wife is there at the game. My mum was there at the game. Um, so just, yeah, you kind of get brought into the office. Um, so who do I have? I had the GM, head coach. I think it was just those two just kind of sat me down, just sort of said, you know, ownership's gone different direction. Thank you for your time. It's not against you sort of thing. We just, we're we're looking to shore up this part of our roster or something like that. So sort of once you kind of hear that, everything else kind of goes a little bit numb and a little bit, a little bit hazy as, as to that. But I remember just trying to, could stay collected and calm and grab my things and uh uh wife and mum were meeting me sort of in the race sort of heading out to the cars and they have no idea of this they had no idea so we had we so my wife uh drove mum so they came in a separate car because when you get to a game nba you get there at like four o'clock for a seven thirty game um so we ended up taking two cars and just sort of said look just let's let's get out of here it's kind of what happened. Can you just kind of, I'll meet you at home. Um, it's a good thing I told mum as we're walking out because she would have turned around and tried to storm into the office yeah, and have a bit yeah, of war with everybody. Um, so it was just that. And I kind of took a long drive home and just um, sort of thought about, okay, what's, what what do I do next? And is this sort of the end? Is, is there still sort of interest around? Um, Philly at that time had made, a big, made the trade, I think, for... Um, Burks and someone else, another shooter. So they kind of filled in that shooting role. Um, so it was just a bit of okay, what 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 do we do now? And and sort of hanging around. Um, and I think sort of COVID hit not long after that. The season was was paused and and everything. So um, it was sort of just a strange time to finish. And then going into the next 
uh, going into sort of the bubble. Then Philly came back and like, come join us for the bubble. Um, so went down there and started training. Uh, a few days before we're supposed to leave, wife comes down with COVID. We've got a you know few month old son. He wasn't well either. Um, but my wife has underlying sort of medical issues, and this is the beginning of COVID, where no, everyone thought it was yeah. you know it was going to be really really yeah. terrible. It was, yeah. but you know especially for the underlying exactly. So um, you know we were in a small apartment in Philly, and I was like, I, I can't can't leave i can't leave for the next six weeks like who takes care of the my wife and kid and we don't have any family around um so i had to sort of say i i, I can't come sort of thing um i was hoping that maybe there would be a period to join the team once they're already down once the family's taken care of but the nba got pretty sort of strict with their protocols so it was just sort of you know one setback and then the next setback and then feel like come join us for training camp next season um, we can't give you a spot. We've got some some draft picks and things like that. So that was kind of on the back burner. Um, went into the off season, just sort of worked out um, and just sort of saw what the lay of land was. There was a lot of interest actually from Houston. So assistant that I was with, one of the assistants that was at the Mavs signed on, Stephen Silas as the head coach of Houston. Um, had plenty of talks with them and the GM and it, it looked like we had a, a done deal to, to go not just there for training camp, but an actual contract. Literally a week before training camp, we we're still kind of waiting around. We, we call the agent. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to speak to him. Haven't heard anything. Um, and basically just got pulled out at last second and kind of scrambling now. We, we like, we told Philly that we've had a deal done. Maury had just moved from Houston to Philly. He's like, it sounds like you got a deal um and then he it kind of like yeah come join us for training camp so went back to philly didn't didn't sort of put my best foot forward when i was there and, and that was kind of it like it was just sort of things just didn't work out for me lots of moving around during that period of time with family um it's this just all, all while covid's happening this well. is all while covid's yeah, happened yeah, so this is this is sort of a a few month period yeah. of time um and then it's just kind of like all right well what do we do next and um sort of in, in purgatory trying to try find a team after that do we go over to Europe I almost went back over to Europe um, then you know you hear all these agents talking to all these teams oh maybe they'll bring you in they bring in an extra two-way spot and all this sort of stuff and it was just kind of back and forth for, for months until sort of the new year and I was like you know what I just want to go back and I just want to go somewhere and play. I'm yeah. still young enough. I'm still... Or you wanted, right? Or exactly. asking for you to come. Exactly. Play, you know? And the opportunity to come back here with the Phoenix was just, it seemed like the uh, the perfect opportunity to come back home, play, have some stability, family life. We're kind of sick of moving around and living in suitcases with a young kid and, and see friends and family and, and sort of help uh, the Phoenix and, and help build the basketball in the Southeast. So, came back here and and you know still i guess had some of that that baggage from the previous sort of six months year um and then yeah injuries and stuff like that took its toll as well and just all kind of compiled on me at the end of that season um and the guys that were here during that half season i was here you know just i think they could tell something wasn't quite right i wasn't quite myself not not happy and bubbly and energetic and happy um and it just sort of everything just sort of hit me sort of that stuff with the nba and the, the moving around and you see the effects it has on your wife and your kid and and 
you know, kid was got got quite uh, attached just because of the the different moves, a new house, new bed, new room, new place every few weeks, um, different country. You know, it was it was just sort of a lot for for a, for a young kid, and they're pretty resilient and, and and move on pretty quick. But sort of seeing that you know my choices and, and my career being put above my family and the effect that it that it kind of had. So it was all that sort of stuff, and then it brimmed in. With stuff from from my childhood and, and and sort of the problems that I had there with with sort of I guess father type figures and 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 trauma from there and it, it it bubbled up to a point where I was like I need to step away otherwise I'm I'm already not being the the father and husband that I should be and if I continue down this line like it's it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be pretty good on you man for for recognizing that like that takes so much courage to be able to sit there and say, I'm not well, like I'm not okay right now. And like, I I'll say to myself, you, you've definitely taught me that space of understanding that mental health matters. You know what I'm saying? And reaching out and asking for help, it matters. Like I know for a fact, something happens to me, I can call Rowdy. I know that for a fact to this day, I can call Rowdy and something's going to be good. And that having that support around you definitely, uh, definitely matters, man. So uh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> that with us on, on mental health day today too yeah. it's just like world mental health day yeah we, we are recording on on world mental health yeah. day and, and we'll talk a little bit about the work that rowdy does yeah. in that space but i think rowdy thank you thank yeah. you for sharing and i i encourage anybody who is 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 down at the moment to to go after this podcast and listen to to rowdy speak to narrowly meadows i think yeah. it, it is one of the most powerful podcasts you'll ever listen to right. um and the stories that you tell rowdy are incredible. I, I hadn't heard them before before I listened, and and it's a great, it's a, it's it's a massive clap to Nerily yeah. for for doing what she does. But I think Rowdy, you get the bigger one for for sharing your story and, and giving us a little bit here today. Let's let's take a, a break. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the positive work that that Rowdy's doing in this space. One in seven young people experience a mental health condition. That's why we're playing our part through Phoenix Soar. The Phoenix Soar program combines classroom workshops with basketball skills to promote well-being and resilience in our next generation. We want to give kids a chance to thrive both on and off the court. Head to semphoenix.com.au to find out how your classroom can get involved. We're back here on Getting Saucy. Rowdy, again, thank you so much for sharing uh, what you shared in the previous segment. I think it's going to help a lot of people, not only Phoenix fans, but basketball fans, but just people in general, source, I think they could really benefit from from listening to Rowdy's story and I guess taking some lessons learned from from it. I mean, this is a, a guy who's achieved massive success in his life, especially in the basketball field. Obviously, he has his endeavors off court, but just to hear what you have to go through to get to that mountaintop, to come off that mountaintop and to build yourself back up while still being a dad, a husband, a friend, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot that, that weighs on, on basketball players that people don't get a lot of insight on. And Rowdy definitely gave us a, a good insight on, on kind of the, the struggles that you kind of got to go through. We touched on how Rowdy's still a massive part of the Phoenix family and, and none more so Rowdy than through the Phoenix community programs. We've got Phoenix Saw, uh, Heartland Hoops. You're, you're a big advocate of Heartland Hoops, but um, talk a little bit about your involvement in, in Phoenix Saw and, and why do you still stay involved in the mental health space? How important is it, I guess, to speak out? Well, hopefully, and, and as you mentioned, Nerelis podcast um, that I did previously, it, it's it's about trying to help just just one person. So, if, you know, after that podcast, uh, one or two people sort of reached out and it's like, you know, I was touched by a story and I, I, I went and, you know, had a little look inside and 
and figured that I was, you know, in a similar headspace where everything was just kind of run through the motions. I wasn't really feeling what I should be feeling. And, and they went and spoke to somebody. That That's it. If I can help one person, I guess, make a, a small change that can bring so much happiness and joy and, and change their day-to-day, then then that's it. And, and Phoenix Soar is a, is a great way and a program I would have loved to have had um, going through primary school especially. You know, that was a, a very difficult time in my life and, and in my journey and, and, and hence why I'm so, I guess, probably over the top with my own kids of, of trying to be there and supportive and, and present and um, around, probably too much. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but just to have a program that you can just learn um, about your emotions and learn about who your support system are who you can talk to about things um, and just figuring out that you're not alone. And it's, it's, it's simple workshop workbook stuff that they do, but just being able to teach kids from a young age, just to, to be aware of their feelings and, and hopefully find support uh, and people to talk to if they're struggling through things. And um, you know, kids are pretty good at hiding things, but everyone's kind of going through something. So if, if you can kind of just tap in a little bit and, and give them a head start and, and hopefully they don't, you know, have, a big meltdown like myself um, at the ripe old age of 32 or it was, 31. Um, but but just, just being able to, to learn to, to manage and, and control their emotions a little bit better. So you've been part of Phoenix Soul before. What, what are your takeaways from the program? I think the biggest thing, first of all, shout out to Catherine and Claire and the mm-hmm. whole community group. They do such an amazing job, uh, not only dealing with the community, but also dealing with the playing group, the coaching <laughs> group that has different ideas on where we want to be yeah. time-wise, just knowing that they're appreciated and everything that we believe in as a Phoenix group in the community is able to work only because of the community group that we have is so strong here. But just going into the schools and obviously doing work back at home in Phoenix when I was with the Suns and other places around the world that I've played, I get to Australia and I get to talk to kids that were impacted by our Phoenix or program and off the rip, they just know how to communicate their feelings. And I'm just blown away that fifth and sixth graders, 11, 10, 12 year olds are able to talk about how they feel about certain situations, understand that you can reach out and seek for help. And it's because of stories like Rowdy, it's because of stories like Creaky that are implemented within that Phoenixor program and other places that these kids can feel safe. Like, oh wow, these players that I look up to, that I watch on a daily, have mental health issues and the best way to go about it is to speak up on it and to learn those different ways to kind of navigate through life with and so massive shout out I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Phoenix Soar just for all the impact that it kind of has on the community and uh, I just think it's, it's really good stuff that we're doing and, and Rowdy's a great ambassador for being able to, to, to put that change into effect. And for more information on Phoenix Soar, make sure you head to semphoenix.com.au to the community section. All the information's there. I think the, the boys have hit the nail on the head it is a really important, yes. not not only the, the SOAR program, but I think speaking out in general, um, voicing the feelings, it's never been more important, Rowdy, than, than now to, to speak out, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and myself personally, I've gone out to a few schools um, that I attended when I was um, growing up and, and, and going through periods of time, and, and, and these weren't... Uh, private schools or, or well-off schools. Yeah. Um, so it's about getting into those communities and, and not saying that, that those kids in, in private schools or, or fancy areas don't go through troubles as well, but I feel like I'm able to connect and, and probably... Um, well, you've, like, had, you've had the lived experience of those exactly, schools as well. Right. Exactly, and, and, and my experience is maybe similar to some uh, that are kids going through there that feel alone and feel mm-hmm. trapped and isolated that 
even even if you are going through that, there are there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that if you um, are able to speak about things and, and and find your passion, and luckily basketball was my escape and my passion. Yeah. If if you can kind of focus on those things, it can help you get out of that situation as well. Unbelievable, guys! You've been incredible. I can't let you go without answering a couple of questions <laughs> of from the course, crowd. And we, we, fans are, we, I yeah. know they're hyped to have Rowdy on the podcast today, so let's get the questions. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to say, but I think we've. We've had the most feedback and we've had the most engagement when they heard that Rowdy was going to come on the podcast. Ooh, so that doesn't say something. Yeah. Don't tell no, me. Uh, we're not going to sell Creaky. I think Creaky's bumped it up for this week. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's tuned in now. <laughs> hey, boys, for, these, are, these are for both of you. A bit of fun to finish the episode, which has been a really, really insightful and, and really important episode in, in getting saucy. If you had to pick another professional sport to play... What would you be playing? Mine would be footy. Yeah. I, it, before coming to Australia, there's no way. I probably would have said like American football, but mine would be footy. I, I reckon I'd be a pretty good ruck. Yep. And ideally, we get you get, we get you down to one of those AFL clubs. And <laughs> that sounds like my kind of fun. That's that's awesome. Right? What about you, Randy? Oh, I, I enjoy my golf. Um, I'm not good at it. I'd love to be good at it. Um, well, so that might be one. All. Yeah, that might be one. I think just to something a bit different. I, I played footy growing up, yep. loved it. That was always sort of the other the other passion. But I wasn't. I'm not the right build. I don't think it's hard hard to put in. We gotta get out there on the links, man. I gotta I gotta show you a few things. Yeah, me you, me good. you, Rubes and yeah, and probably Simon Wig and Wiggy. Yeah, Wiggy, Wiggy out there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, physiotherapist. Yeah, yeah. Physiotherapist. extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, big, good. big golf fan. I'll um I'll come and slice a few across the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Me playing off thirty six is not going to help here, boys. Uh, who was your childhood hero? That doesn't have to be a sports person, but who who was the biggest influence on your childhood? I, I think my parents were for me. I, they were just heavily involved with everything I had going on, opened up a lot of doors and opportunities for me. And I can go on and talk about my folks all day. I love them to death. And shout out to mom and dad out there. Now you're listening. <laughs> Ready? Uh, yes, my mom. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, we we had some tough times. Single parent of four kids, able to put food on the table somehow. I still don't know how she got us to where we need to go and, and things like that. But um, yeah, her her hard work and um, ability to kind of keep us on the the straight and narrow was was something I looked up to. Last couple, all time favorite movie, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Easy. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a go to one, Easy. isn't it? Andy Dufresne. It's on Netflix that now too. Easy. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go something funny. Um, Step Brothers. Oh, great movie! I literally was about to say that. We probably should have said that at the same time. Do we become best friends? <laughs> yup. <laughs> um, last two. Uh, the first concert you ever went to live. My was Glow in the Dark tour back in the day. It was like Chris Brown, oh, Lil Bow Wow, somebody else. I probably wasn't supposed to be going, but my friend had gotten tickets and like I made it so my mom couldn't say no. And so I thought it was pretty cool. That's elite. Shout out to Chris Brown. Uh, Ready? What did you say? The uh, Frank's and Rec Center? Uh, nothing actually. <laughs> um, my first concert was in Dallas. Um, went to On the Run, Jay Z and Beyonce. Oh, uh, man. yeah. And. Um, we live in the high life back then in Dallas, but um, we're in a suite. Yeah, yes. we're in a suite. Uh, so the food and drink. yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Mark Cuban, shout out, thank you. He was he was not using it that day, so we uh, a few of the boys and stuff um, went down. So yeah, awesome experience. A bit different to my experience of uh, Pitbull, Rose Z right up the top. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty high up in the corner. <laughs> 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 happened to be in a gym. We can't all have Mark Cuban suite. <laughs> Last idea was if you could tell yourselves something as a child. If you go back and tell yourself something, what would it be? 
mine would be just do more. Like, I felt like I did a lot as a kid to get to this point here and prepare myself for this, these opportunities that I have. But I would just go back and say, do more. Like, dribble more, shoot more, pass more, work out more, talk up, speak up more. Um, just, just do more of everything. I just feel like that's something that I would just want to push myself to just do more. Uh, yeah, to sort of speak up and speak out. I was, I was super quiet and super shy as a kid and awkward. Um, so just, just I guess, tell myself, just be comfortable in my own shoes. Um, be happy with who I am. It's great advice from the both of you. I think all the kids listening right now should, should heat that, is it? We encourage you to speak up. It is World Mental Health Day. We're lucky enough to record this episode on World Mental Health Day. And it's never been more important to, to speak up, speak out, speak to somebody you trust. Um, there is a lot of information online. Go to the right people, go to the people you trust and make sure you voice your voice. Now, boys, we're done. Hold on. One thing before we go. The D-backs and the Dodgers are in a series right now in the MLB. And as is wearing a L.A. Dodger hat, it's crazy. Had I known we were wearing hats, I would have my Diamondbacks hat on. So shout out to the D-backs, man. We're getting it done. I just wore this hat because it was green. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But yeah, Dodgers. Woo. Uh, yeah. Um, Joe DiMaggio still playing for them? Or? What? <laughs> there is no baseball. No, it's not a baseball country. Not a baseball no, no. country. Boys, uh, we're done. Thank you again for joining us. Saucy, you've been incredible. Rowdy, you've been amazing. I've been okay. We're about to go and uh, have lunch with Mark Cuban. on. Uh, on Rowdy's got his number on speed dial, so... Cubes doesn't get picked up though. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately not, but that's okay. We'll uh, we'll send the check to Cubes, guys. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Getting Saucy. <laughs>